a new alliance between Governor Brian Kemp and Herschel Walker. Look, we cannot rest on our laurels, everyone. We have got more wood to chop. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And we are, if we sound a little different, we're actually taping this sitting next to each other for the first time in a very long time. We're not in cars or different campaign stops or in our respective foyers in our homes. We are actually here at the state capitol where we are here to monitor a vote for uh, the new Democratic House leader, as well as the lying in state for the late House Speaker David Ralston. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about Governor Kemp's newfound alliance with Herschel Walker. We discuss the big names coming in for Senator Raphael Warnock in the home stretch of the race and a new poll that shows the runoff is up for grabs. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Patricia, let's start with the newly forged alliance between Herschel Walker and Brian Kemp because they had their first, and maybe their only, but we'll see, but they had their first big campaign rally together of the campaign season. We know they both ran separate campaigns throughout this entire general election phase. Not only were they separate, they were defiantly separate, I think is a good way to put it. They had dueling campaign events the Monday night before the election. They had dueling campaign against a few feet from each other, really, the night of the election. And whenever I, we'd ask Governor Kemp about Herschel Walker's personal baggage, his issues, he'd say, hey, I'm focused on helping the entire GOP ticket. And frankly, whenever we asked Herschel Walker about Governor Brian Kemp, he said, he kind of answered the same question. He goes, I'm fighting for everyone on the ticket. He wouldn't even say whether he voted, personally voted for Brian Kemp in the May primary against David Perdue. So these two men are not close at all, but it's also the time of year where all hands are on deck and Republicans are all trying to unite behind Herschel Walker in this runoff. Yes. Well, at this point, Governor Brian Kemp obviously has nothing to lose from this alliance. He has only to gain from this alliance if he could um, not only try to get Herschel Walker up to um, the United States Senate, but also get credit for trying to help Herschel Walker get up to the United States Senate. I mean, Brian Kemp is very much seen by most Republicans, but not all, as a team player. And when I say not all, I'm going to put President Donald Trump at the top of that list. But other than that, uh, Kemp's national profile has risen 
immensely over the last several months. I think he is somebody who is seen by fellow Republicans as a leader within the party nationally at this point. And so I feel like it made perfect sense for him to reach out and be campaigning with Herschel Walker. Now, Herschel Walker, this is a move I would have expected them to make a long time ago. And even at the very end of the campaign, Governor Kemp said, hey, I'd be happy to campaign with Herschel Walker. That was before Election Day. But the Walker campaign said, no, actually, we've already got our events planned. Now, granted, the events were a mile apart from each other. So they easily could have done both events. They could have campaigned with Brian Kemp and on their own, but they decided to go it alone. And I think the results spoke for themselves, uh, that approach to campaigning. And Patricia, you said he has nothing to lose by participating in the rally, but he had a lot to lose if he didn't. Because if he didn't and Herschel Walker ended up losing, then you know how the knives are out after every campaign defeat. We're seeing that with Democrats right now, with parsing over why Stacey Abrams and other Democratic statewide candidates lost. Um, but ha- if Herschel Walker ends up losing and Governor Brian Kemp does not participate, then it would be like, hey, you know, 200,000 voters backed Governor Kemp and not Herschel Walker. Where was the most powerful GOP messenger? You know, where was he? And now he can answer, hey, he's right up there on stage with Herschel Walker. He's lent his campaign's get-out-the-vote apparatus to pro-Walker forces. And what he's really going to be looking at over the next few weeks, there's only two weeks left, (laughs) but is those areas like where he went in Smyrna, uh, those metro Atlanta areas where, where Herschel Walker support significantly lagged behind Brian Kemp's. Those are the areas where Kemp can perform strongest. Those are the areas where Walker and his allies really hope Governor Kemp can narrow in on these next two weeks. Yeah, and it really is that campaign apparatus, the get out the vote operation that is going to be even more valuable to Herschel Walker at this point. Even the event that he did with Kemp, which was, you know, putting up the unified front, go vote for Herschel Walker, we need a Republican Senate. And that was really the message. It wasn't don't believe all these lies you've heard about Herschel Walker. We do hear that message from some of his campaign surrogates. That really wasn't what was being set up there. He called Herschel Walker his friend. I think that's an accurate statement, but then also really made the case that they needed the Republican Senate. Without the Republican Senate on the line, though, it's a much harder, harder argument to make to get those Kemp voters who did not vote for Herschel Walker to get them back out to the polls when you don't have control of the Senate at play. And so it really becomes just a pure play to get out the vote, get every person that is remotely willing to vote for you, get them out to the polls before or on election day. And that apparatus that Governor Brian Kemp built for his own campaign outside the apparatus of the state Republican Party was unbelievably effective this year for Brian Kemp and not just for Kemp, for just about the entire GOP ticket. So he needs, but Walker obviously needs both the message and the mechanics to deliver those voters because he's got some other, some really soft spots and some polling that we saw recently that shows he's got to dig in and get everybody out there. And I think Kemp on two fronts has, has done him a big favor this week. And we'll dive into that polling a little later, but uh, here's how Governor Kemp framed himself as a Walker ally. I know that Herschel Walker will do like we've done in Georgia and be fiscally conservative and cut runaway government spending in Washington, D.C. Herschel Walker, meanwhile, delivered pretty much the same stump speech. He, he has added one line in saying basically he wants the state Republicans to row in the same direction. He, the, Georgia needs a senator who's rowing in the same direction as Governor Brian Kemp. Uh, but otherwise, uh, here's, here's a glimpse of, of that. Uh, stump speech when he's talking about the use of pronouns. Pronouns? What the heck is a pronoun? 
I'm like, hey, wait, Raphael Warnock pronoun is going to be former senator. That's his pronoun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is his way of bringing up transgender sports policy, something that Governor Kemp pushed as well earlier on the campaign cycle. He signed into a law that paved the way for transgender girls to be banned from from competing in in high school girls sports, but also, you know, something that has shown in polls and in focus groups and others to energize core conservative Republican voters. It's not something we heard Brian Kemp focus on the last few weeks of the campaign cycle, but it is something that same line, Patricia, we've heard over and over and over again from Herschel Walker as he tries to rally the GOP faithful back to his camp. Yeah. And this is, as you heard there, it's a huge applause line on the campaign trail when he's out there in front of these really conservative audiences. He's also brought in Riley Gaines, who is a swimmer, NCAA swimmer who competed against Leah Thomas, who was the transgender swimmer from the University of Pennsylvania. That is the core essence of this campaign, very conservative, very focused on social issues. That really is a different approach than Governor Kemp had when he was running in the general election, focused almost entirely on economic issues. We really did not hear Kemp wade into these kinds of conversations when he was on the trail in September, October, November. And we saw the results for him way up over 50%. This extremely conservative campaign that Walker has decided to run um, has not changed, has not changed on the stump. And it's not going to change. They have made the decision that they are going back after those base voters and hoping that the that those Kemp voters who also voted for Raphael Warnock just stay home. I mean, I think that's a pretty big risk. It's leaving the entire middle of the electorate open to Raphael Warnock, and Warnock is going after those voters hard. But that's the calculation that the Walker team has made. It's only a four-week runoff period. There's really no time to add or change to your message by their calculation, and this is the decision they've made. But you just hear that over and over, those um, lines about transgender athletes, talking about pronouns. Uh, it, the crowd loves it. He loves it. But it, it did not deliver a victory the last time around. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about how Senator Warnock is trying to appeal to those split ticket voters. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're not only the hosts of this podcast, but we're also two of the authors of the Morning Chult Newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe at AJC.com slash podcasts. And your first month of unlimited digital access is less than a dollar. At subscribe at AJC.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really 
going on. Okay, Patricia, we talked about Herschel Walker's rhetoric and Governor Kemp's appearance on the campaign stage with Herschel Walker for the first time. But we're also seeing a unique, unconventional strategy from Senator Warnock, because usually, as you mentioned earlier, runoffs are about base turnout. If the exact same group shows up for you in November that they showed up in the runoff, you win because it's lower turnout. And so usually campaigns go after the lowest hanging fruit. But in this race, because there's this unique split ticket dynamic with four or five percent of Republicans who either withheld their vote from Herschel Walker or backed Senator Warnock outright, that changes the ball game. And we're seeing from Senator Warnock this really targeted appeal towards split ticket voters. And the best example to me that I could see so far is having Dave Matthews, the favorite of white college educated suburbanites everywhere, <laughs> come back. To UVA in the 1990s. This one's for you. <laughs> exactly. Or UGA in the 1990s, for that matter. One of the most popular bands in early 2000s at UGA was literally called the Dave Matthews cover band. And this band like practiced relentlessly to get every single inflection right from every one of the songs. They were maniacal about it. Anyway, uh, it just brings back memories of college, whether you liked him or not. And there's plenty who did not like Dave Matthews. He does epitomize that sort of swing set, moderate suburbanite voter. And Herschel Walker's campaign knows that and they're bringing him. And he also came in for Fetterman. He also came in for Tim Ryan in Ohio. So this is not Dave Matthews' first foray into the campaign trail this cycle. Uh, but this will be a major event in the campaign on Monday, the uh, eight days before the election, the runoff, having Dave Matthews come in and appeal to suburban voters. And trust me, my inbox and my text messages are full of people whose phone numbers I don't recognize. So I don't even know uh, who some of these folks are, but there's like, hey, could you get me an extra an extra way to get into Dave Matthews? So there's already uh, folks lining up to go see Dave Matthews. So true. Get out your Patagonia vest, boys, because <laughs> it's happening. It's really happening in Cobb County. Um, but yeah, so let's take ourselves inside the mind of a Kemp voter. I voted, I mean, I'm not saying who I voted for, but okay, so let's say I voted for Brian Kemp and then I either skipped the race or I voted for Raphael Warnock and then I voted Republican all the way down the ticket. And now I've gone home and I'm minding my own business and I'm wearing my Patagonia vest. <laughs> Um, am I going to go back out to the polls to vote for Raphael Warnock? That was the crucial difference between him and Herschel Walker. That is why he was up over Herschel Walker in the final tally. And it really is, um, as their campaign has judged, crucial to him finishing ahead of Herschel Walker the second time around. It also is consistent, I will say, this middle-of-the-road message is consistent with the type of senator he's been. He's been very focused on sort of bread and butter issues for individual Georgians, ways to slice and dice prices for people from insulin to other healthcare costs, prescription drug costs, gas. That's the message he's had this entire time he's been a senator. And so it's also consistent with who he's been. It is the exact opposite of who Herschel Walker is trying to tell voters he is, that he's a radical liberal Raphael Warnock. We've heard that many times, first from Kelly Loeffler, and now um, we hear it consistently from Herschel Walker as well. Um, so Raphael Warnock has got to get those middle-of-the-road voters back out because he knows that they're essential to his success. And so Dave Matthews is a big piece of that. I'm going to say that Alvin the Beagle is a big yeah. part of that, the feel-good puppy dog that he um, really used to great effect the first time around running against Senator Kelly Loeffler. 
Scheffler, just a nice guy out on a walk with his dog on a regular afternoon in a vest, I will yeah. also note. <laughs> so um, that this, this is the play he's making. It's so different from Herschel Walker's. And we're going to get a good sense of, um, of who made the right choice pretty soon here. I asked one of the, uh, the veteran Warnock aides, what happened to Alvin? And basically, I was told, hey, he just got a little older. <laughs> Alvin has, Alvin's no longer the cute puppy he was a couple of years ago. He's a, he's a grizzled uh, campaign veteran now. And you're right. They used him to great effect in the 2020 race to basically personalize Raphael Warnock, make him seem a lot less of the radical liberal that Republicans had, um, had tried to frame him as. But Patricia, we should not forget that just like Herschel Walker is playing to the base too, Senator Warnock is as well, and Barack Obama is the other big name, the bigger name, we should say, because as big as Dave Matthews is to some folks, Barack Obama is obviously bigger. He is coming back a second time. He's making a return trip to Georgia. He came a few days before the November midterm. He's back coming the Thursday before the runoff, and his goal is the same as it was before the midterm. He wants to energize particularly black voters, core Democratic supporters, who might be exhausted about the idea of yet another vote in Georgia, many who still frankly don't know there is another vote in Georgia um, coming up. He wants to make sure the Democrats are energized and mobilized. And so he's coming for a second time now, uh, this time purely for Senator Raphael Warnock. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like the message that Barack Obama has been bringing to various candidates around the country, but we saw him do it here in Georgia already once before this cycle, is that particular piece about democracy, how crucial each of these elections are to safeguarding democracy, to um, using your voice, making it count, making it matter, and then choosing leaders who will follow that up as somebody in the United States Senate, in this case, for Raphael Warnock. That is an argument that Joe Biden made, but maybe Joe Biden, first of all, is a little bit more ham-handed in his arguments. But Democrats and the media, I guess, also kind of largely mocked Joe Biden for making that case. But I've talked to so many Democratic candidates who said voters were coming up to them concerned about democracy and sort of the basic functions of government. And so Obama has been incredibly skilled at that and to convincing voters to go back out to the polls and use their vote for that purpose. And I'm sure he will make that argument as well. And to your point, he's just so effective at getting all reaches of the Democratic base out. Um, really resonates, obviously, with diverse voters, resonates so strongly in the suburbs as well. So he's you couldn't ask for a stronger surrogate to come in. But, you know, in thinking about sort of all these big names and celebrities coming in for Raphael Warnock, you know, Herschel Walker is the biggest celebrity that the Republicans have, and he's running for them. So he doesn't need to bring in other famous people because he's the famous person. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's bringing in other surrogates to um, make the argument that he will be a good senator. So he's sort of going for the other piece of the puzzle. He's already got the name ID. He's got everything that he needs in that department. He's got people's attention. That's no problem either. Um, But he needs his circuits to come in and say this person is ready to be in the United States Senate. Although it is interesting that Herschel Walker will rally with Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz and other um, Tim Scott and Rick Scott both. You know, he'll rally with a, a number of um, high-profile Republican senators who he hopes to join. Um, but it's been Senator Warnock who's had very, very few surrogates come on the campaign trail for him. Barack Obama is obviously the big, big name, but we haven't necessarily seen a lot of other Democratic U.S. senators come in, not because there's any rift between them, but frankly, because Senator Warnock wants to make this campaign a 
contrast between him and Herschel Walker not bringing national issues into the into the fore. Barack Obama is a notable exception, whereas Herschel Walker wants to make this race a referendum on Joe Biden. Uh, that plays to his advantage. And for another reason we're about to mention, a recent poll, the first that we've seen of this runoff cycle, the first public major poll, was commissioned by AARP, and it was conducted by a bipartisan team at Fabrizio Ward and Impact Research, which is a well-known firm with well-known pollsters. So basically, the hint I'm, so, I'm, I'm trying to give you, our listeners, is that campaigns and the, the operatives who all looked at this poll after we published it early Tuesday morning all said it reflects the, their findings. Uh, might not be completely spot on because we don't know and it's really hard to poll a runoff crowd right before a holiday like Thanksgiving. And that's why we have seen very, very little in the area of polling. But for the most part, they say it generally tracks with the sort of things they're seeing out there in their own internal data. And that shows Warnock, Senator Warnock at 51%, Herschel Walker at 47%. That's within the margin of error of 4.4 percentage points. So basically the race is up for grabs, but a very close race that might be tilting slightly towards Senator Warnock's advantage. And what I was uh, referring to earlier was it also tabulated Joe Biden's approval rating, and Joe Biden r- remains around 40%. So there is a there still remains a, a big reason why we haven't seen Senator Warnock align himself with Joe Biden, whose approval rating is underwater at 43%, and even slightly lower among voters aged 50 and over. Yeah, I think we all knew ahead of November that if this race was about Joe Biden, that Raphael Warnock would lose. And if this race is about Herschel Walker, then Raphael Warnock would win. And that is just because of the polling that shows that voters, some voters, enough voters still have some serious concerns about Herschel Walker as a candidate. But if Republicans can manage to nationalize this race, make it a conversation about Joe Biden and the future of his administration, that gives them a huge advantage over Raphael Warnock, who, to your point, is sort of out there campaigning on an island by himself (laughs) going around the state. He is really pushing his own independent message. And when I say independent, I mean, independent of other Democrats. He does not campaign uh, with other big name Democrats other than Barack Obama, to your point. And that is very, very deliberate. That is to reinforce this idea that Raphael Warnock is serving the state of Georgia, not serving the National Democratic Party. And they know that that's a message that independents in particular are looking for. And so when you go into the crosstabs of this poll, the number that jumped out to me is Warnock's strength among independents. He is 15 points ahead of Herschel Walker among independents here in Georgia. I think that's pretty reflective of the campaigns that they've run up to this point. And I'll always look back and wonder if Herschel Walker had run a slightly different campaign, would those numbers with independents be different? Um, but, you know, different campaigns have different values on what role independent voters play. And are they actually independents? Or are they sort of Democratic leaning already or Republican leaning? So that's always a conversation among strategists, whether how hard to go after independents. Does that dilute your, your base message? But the Warnock campaign is very clearly made going after independents, a big piece of their strategy. And then independents are going to be about 30% of the turnout on election day. So there, you know, it makes perfect sense why they would do that. Now the, the, the crucial uh, quote in this uh, story about the poll is that Tony Fabrizio said, look, we have no idea who's turning out on election day. And that's the truth. So when we don't know who's turning out, we don't know how the race is going to, um, how that's going to turn out either. But this is the sort of, these are the underlying dynamics that each campaign is needing to work within as they're working to get their own voters out to the polls. 
One other note I want to make about this poll is it shows that Warnock leads voters between the ages 18 and 49 by a 24-point margin. That's huge. But as Herschel Walker has a nine-point edge among voters older than 50. And here's where it kind of gets a little dicey because the poll indicates that 90% of those older voters are extremely motivated. Those are the ones who are most likely to actually go out and vote in this post-Thanksgiving environment. But about three-quarters of voters younger than 50 say they're, they share that intensity. So, you know, there's still a huge number of voters under uh, 50 who are very, very motivated, but there's even more voters older than 50 who are motivated, and that tends to favor the Republicans. So, again, we'll see. It's really hard to predict a post-Thanksgiving runoff electorate, especially when Senate control is no longer in play. And generally, I would think that that would hurt Democrats, but this race, it might actually help Democrats because we, as we've talked about before, it makes it harder for Herschel Walker to make that argument that this race is simply a referendum on Joe Biden. And it makes it a little bit easier for Senator Warnock to say this is a one-on-one contrast between the two candidates. Coming up on Friday's episode, we'll answer your question from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call it anytime. Leave a question. We'll play it back and answer your question right here on this podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. And Shaney B., our dedicated, loyal producer, who's not mad at us at all for forgetting our microphones, he cannot wait to hear from you. Hopefully your audio quality will be better than Greg and Patricia's. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, whenever news breaks. We will see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC, and we hope you have a very restful and very happy Thanksgiving. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.